offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, my name is Milan, and welcome to another episode of Sabbath School U. Today we're going right into Lesson 12, The Church Militant. And here to discuss it, we have David, Gina, and Phil. So Phil, can you help us uh, kick off with a word of prayer? Yes. Lord, we are honored and blessed to be here, and we just pray that you'll inspire and lead us and let us honor you with our words and our discussion and our thoughts. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So this lesson, we're going right into the, the churches that are described in the book of Revelation. But before we get into that, how about the title of this lesson, The Church Militant? How do you guys feel about the title? I had a problem with it. Like, I immediately, like, when I read it, I was looking for something that was, like, militant, military, all that stuff. And to me, I, it just doesn't seem to fit. I actually kind of disagree a little bit with you there. Um, going into the lesson and, and seeing how Jesus was starting to correct all of the churches and, and say, uh, you guys are doing this wrong. I have a friend in the military. It just kind of reminded me of uh, the drill sergeants. They would always be like, what are you doing, brother? Like, you know, what is, what is going go? on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just do that one more time. <laughs> just like, you know, what are you doing? And so they, they, they try to correct them. They tell them what to do. And, they, and the whole purpose of a drill sergeant is to make a good soldier out of these men and women. You know, it's to uh, assist them as best as they can. So I think that's what Jesus was trying to do to each of these churches, you know, point out what they were doing wrong and try to help them get better. See, my thing was, I was kind of picturing John, and I was right, picturing, I was. you know, John is the writer of this book and, and all that stuff, and John, to me, he strikes me as this guy that wouldn't hurt a fly, <laughs> um, where, like, he's, he's off in his own Patmos Island with, with all these other people, and here's where God, God talks to him and, and gives him this, the, these prophecies to write down. So, like, that's, that's what I was looking at, but it's interesting that you... You took the focus off of John, which which I kind of like, yeah. and put it onto Jesus as the militant. Yeah, I, I like that too. Oh, I kind ahead. of what, just like two minutes before we started, I was talking, and he brought up that point, and I was on your side, but then I just kind of switched <laughs> over to his, and I I do like that idea where you know you're preparing your army. And uh, you're getting everyone ready. You know, you're telling them what they can work on, what they're doing great on, um, and then, yeah, not necessarily seeing John, but seeing Jesus as the one who's getting us ready for what we're about to we're about to get get on with. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely Team David on this one too. <laughs> I was with Phil. Like we were talking about this before. Um, we were just like not. Understanding the title, you know, I, I felt like it was unfair to put the title militant on John when in my mind I saw him as like the church's scribe, like right. Jesus told him, hey, or he was just writing, taking notes essentially on what Jesus was revealing to him. So I felt like that was unfair, but I love your description and I, I think, yeah, that's the answer, I think. Yeah. Soon, soon we'll be able to convince you too. Still, still no, no, to I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm on team David too. I, I, um, you've won me over and it's, you know, even with, I'll say even with this, with the militant, I think of like people going out to war, like, like the militant is the one that, that's the aggressive one that goes off and runs, you know, uh, runs towards the other people and he just, you know, no holds barred, just kind of like 
that's what I picture. But I like your idea of the militant isn't just that person that, that trains soldier, but the person that's training the soldier. Mm -hmm. And to me, that like that is powerful. And it takes my idea that, that I now think was completely wrong. <laughs> and, and it takes my second idea and makes me think like that didn't even go far enough mm -hmm. to, you know, this drill sergeant, which I wish I could do the voice as well as. I know. <laughs> I was hoping he would do that one again. Yeah, you know, it was kind of a one time thing. I think, you know. <laughs> Now's the time to TiVo and rewind your. Uh, your <laughs> Right, so how about the memory verse uh, for this text? Does anyone mind reading it? I think it's Revelation 3, verse 20. I'll read it. <clears throat> Revelation 3, 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. I think that's pretty encouraging. I mean, just the verse if you were just to look at that by itself without really, you know, looking at the message to the church in Laodicea, it's an open invitation from Jesus, like, hey, if you're willing and able, just answer the door. And it's that simple, you know, you, you uh, and I, I always think of that, there's this, um, I don't know if it's like a painting, but you kind of see Jesus and like he's knocking on the door and like you would think that he'd already, at least for me, you'd al he'd already be in the house, you know, hanging out and eating, but he's standing there, you know, waiting, like, hey, guys, let me in. I want to eat, please. <laughs> you know, I want to spend time with you guys and commune. Um, so I always think of that picture when I, when I read that verse. And if it's the picture that I'm thinking of, I remember someone pointing out when I was looking at it that the door on the outside doesn't have a doorknob or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So the, the artist made it so that Jesus can't work his way in. Mm -hmm. You've got to invite him in got to come from the inside. Okay, okay. When I was reading this, what stood out to me was the part where I'll come in and dine with him. Um, and it made me think, my wife and I have been, for, for the fun of it, we will go and look at model homes. And, and ones that we've kind of liked the most have been the ones where you have an entryway and you have kind of like a living room to the side and then you go into the back of the house, the, the main part of the house. And that's where the family room is and the kitchen. That's where like the family stays and it made me think of when I was reading this it made me think of that where like I, I feel like with these homes you walk in the living room is for you know your guests that stop by that aren't really like family or <laughs> you know like I picture this is outdated but I picture like the the traveling vacuum sales guy who, <laughs> who it's like sure I'll look at your vacuums Throwback. like you <laughs> I've never had any of those come to my dad my door but but no, it's kind of like this is the, the visitor sitting area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like if you go into the back where the food is and where the family room is and all that, like only special guests get to go back there. Only the very welcome family members and close friends and all that. So when I was reading the, this verse, I was picturing that and I was saying, you know, like that shows the relationship where like Jesus is welcome into like the, the family areas mm -hmm. of the home. Mm -hmm. That's where you eat and that's where you commune and all that stuff. He's not just a, a visitor that steps in, you let him into the door to get out of like the bad weather. Like mm -hmm. he gets, he, he comes in and joins you for like the intimate moments. And it's true because when you think about eating, you know, breaking bread, it's not something that you do with just anybody in your home. It's like you'll go out, yeah, and you'll eat with whoever, but when you're at your house, will you really just let in the vacuum salesman? No, 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 only certain people will, will have uh, what it takes to be able to make it to that inner room and, and have that type of communion with, with the family. 
I think more so is that not only is it that you're letting somebody into your house, but you're giving them access to your own resources. I mean, if you're if you're not prepared for a visitor and, you know, they, they ask to come in and you suddenly invite them to dinner, I mean, you have to make do with what you have. So uh, it just kind of is like... Um, when, when, when you let Jesus in, though, and he's in, and like it says in the verse that you um, and I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's it's an exchange. It's not just you giving everything to him. You may be giving him uh, a, a physical meal, but he's giving you a spiritual meal in return. And so it's 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 something where you become a little bit more, I guess, um, the only word that comes to mind, I guess, is, is vulnerable because you're you're giving up something that you didn't prepare at all for. And mm -hmm. now, you know, Jesus is in your house having that intimate moment. And I like what you said because I, I didn't think of it, but you are giving up your resources. And it's, it's almost like to have this relationship with Christ, you do have to give up a little bit. Mm -hmm. He doesn't ask for, you know, something ridiculous, but but he does ask you to give up a little bit. Right. And to me, that's that's kind of powerful. I'd never thought of that. Yeah, and thankfully, it's not a lot that you're giving up. You know, like in this image, in this metaphor, you're just opening the door. Mm. You know, it's not like, you know, people think, oh, I have to do so much for Jesus to accept me or to want to like, be with me. Like, here's this long list yeah, of things I've got to exactly. do. Exactly. He's just saying, just open the door, mm. and then I'll take care of the rest. Yeah. And that's really comforting. You know, another thing that comes to mind is the whole dining thing. And in our society, we're used to, and, and who knows what your, your tables are like, but you know, if you have a four-sided <laughs> table and you've got four people, you each sit on one side, and you, you have your own plate, and you have your own silverware, and you have kind of your own meal that you've got in front of you. But back then, they were much closer together. They'd recline right next to each other. And, and I, I could be wrong in this, but I picture kind of like Ethiopian food where it's one <laughs> communal thing where everybody kind of reaches in and grabs stuff. So I feel like it's a very intimate communal thing instead of just staying to your side and yeah. talking about what happened at work that day. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but yeah, I really like this. Setting. Yeah. I love this verse and I love the imagery that it gives of the relationship with Christ that we can have, that he invites us to. Mm -hmm. Right. So the less, or do you so want to? I just, yeah, these churches, guys. Yeah. Um, we should we should get into that. I uh, I was studying this lesson, and you know, this isn't new information. You know, you always hear of the seven churches, and um, my dad is a pastor's kid. So you know, every time I have so a you're question, you're not, but your dad is correct. Okay. So I'm a pastor's grandkid. <laughs> um, I went PGK. to him. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Never heard that, but we need okay, to start yeah. saying that. There you go. That works. Um, so I went to him and I said, Dad, I'm, I'm happy. Every time I have a question, you know, I'll go to him. And I said, so, Dad, these seven churches, you know, you're, you're pretty knowledgeable when it comes to things from the Bible. Can you tell me off the top of your head what are the good and the bad things about each of these churches? Because, you know, you're always hearing about... Um, that, that, you know, Jesus will point out the good things and he'll point out the bad things. And so, and so I asked my dad and he kind of he looks at me, he's like, of course. <laughs> and at that moment, the phone rings. And so he runs out. And then the next thing I know, he comes to me like with his computer and his tablet and he's all like Googling it for me. And I was like, wait, dad, so you don't actually know like at the top, off the top of your head, like as an Adventist, what they all are and have them memorized. And he was like, um... No, but I mean, you know, I have an idea. 
like, well, Dad, I could Google and, and it. So, yeah, I could have done that too. I was just I showed more you curious. how to do that. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was more curious just to know if these kinds of churches are, you know, like the Ten Commandments. You know, everyone in mm. this, you know, knows the Ten Commandments, but not everyone knows things about the churches, knows their good things and their bad things. And so I kind of, I kind of, like the idea of kind of brushing up on it so that you have that fresh in your mind and since it is so important just to kind of know where we identify so I was that was my <laughs> it was my studying this part of the it's lesson funny. when I was young and just kind of putting myself out there as to how kind of like nerdy I was and still kind of am um, so. <laughs> you know I grew up in church school so studied you know Adventist theology and Revelation for sure. I couldn't recall any of the churches off the top of my head. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're not alone with that. But I remember like studying the churches and saying, hmm, which one do I want to belong to? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like kind of like stressing about it. Like, well, do I follow under this one's hardest or like Philadelphia or Laodicea? Like I would, I remember kind of stressing <laughs> about it when I was younger. I mean, I didn't mean, really you have an answer. Knew, like Laodicea was the one that would always like kind of resurface and you'd be like, right. okay, so that one, that one's got something, you know, we need to, we need to pay attention <laughs> to that one. <laughs> See, um, I would hear people say something like that, like, oh, we're, we're, and this is prophetic, you know, so like mm -hmm. we're in the church of Laodicea, we're all the stuff. And I would think, but you know what? Like, there's stuff about this other church that it makes me think, like, we're doing that too. Right. Mm -hmm. And then this other church, like, we're doing that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I'd look at all of them, and I'd think, you know what? We're doing all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the above. So I always had trouble with this because I would think, like, like I get the, the premise of it, and it's it's prophecy, and it's, it shows time and all that stuff. But but I've always thought, like, there's so many things that that I feel like either I personally connect with or like society connects with. And I just think like it just seems to apply to all of us or, or all of it applies to us. I think, I think it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where it, it becomes a huge matter of identification where either, you know, like you said, like you, you personally identify with it or you say, I think my church is kind of like this. Like I think my church acts in this way. And so it just kind of makes you wonder like, do you want to fix what that one church is doing or do you want mm -hmm. to do all of the changes that all of the churches are told like it's really just a, a weird balance and and, and uh, the balance itself is trying to figure out what is wrong because a lot of times we we fall into this uh, this uh, this problem where we, we we only do works or we only focus on on, on, on love and it, 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 it's a matter of balancing both of those out. It, we, we do have to do certain works, but it has to be done through love. Otherwise, you know, there's no point. So it's, it's, it's a really tough balance when, when looking at all these churches and what things that they failed in or what things they were good in and trying to see how we can be better in that way. And I agree. And I'm not the person that can give a deep biblical study about the seven churches or anything like that. And, you know, it's, I, I came to this lesson, I was studying it, and I thought, like, I got to lower my standards because I'm not going to be this scholar that's been studying it for their whole life that's going to mm. show all this. Yeah. But at the same time, I was reading this, and I was saying, you know, if we focus on just one church and feel like that's the message to us, then I worry that we're missing the message that comes from all of them, and we're missing out the true importance that the reason that these are in the Bible because I feel like, you know, part of it is to show that this is prophecy that God revealed, like through revelation, that 
that this was what was happening and this is what happened and this is what's to come. But I also feel like the whole thing is there for us to learn from. So if we focus on just one, we're going to miss out on some really important stuff. And there's a reason that they are all in there. Because if, you know, we only needed to focus on one, we only would have gotten one. Like, obviously, you know, Laodicea, there would have been, you know, just one section on that one and, you know, focus on this because this is this. But we're able to see that there are certain things that you can learn from the other ones and maybe even apply to your own church. And I like what you were saying earlier, David, about finding that balance. You know, there is always an emphasis of, like, God loves you and accepts you where you are. And then we kind of like to brush aside, like, oh... You know, but you can't do this. You know, not you can't, but you shouldn't. Love right. should co compel you not to do certain things. And um, that comes to mind, especially when um, I would read the sections in each message to the church where God is like, I have this complaint against you. I was like, whoa, that's really <laughs> intense. You know, like he said, okay, I see you doing this and I see you do doing this, but this is what you need to work on. Like, oh, okay, that really brings it home. It's like what his friend was saying, you know, like he'll tell you what, what yeah. <laughs> he won't hesitate what to, to tell you what's wrong. And, and I mean, why not? Like, you know, if you do want to grow and if you do want to um, rise above, you know, you do need to figure out what it is are, that is holding you back. What are the things that you're doing wrong so that you can learn from those mistakes and, and correct them for whatever is to come in the future? So there's this question that's posed in the lesson that I think would be interesting to talk about. Um, it says, if you, were, if you were to end up in heaven right now, would you fit in? And then me personally, I thought that was, that really like took me off guard. Like, whoa, like, how did I get up here? You know, like, <laughs> what am I doing here? And if like me being Milan, you know, just like how I am, you know, just, me, like, ended up in heaven, I'm not sure that I would fit in. I mean, because when we, when Jesus comes back and brings up the people who believe in him, they're changed. Like, in mm -hmm. a moment, twinkling of an eye, you know, we shall behold him, we'll be like him. And that's, like, so we would naturally fit in. But, like, me right now, I'm like, no, I don't know. So I didn't like the question because it made me feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think it's an interesting question because it just, it's, it's extremely complicated. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, because you, you, know, you know already that it states in the Bible that Jesus is going to come back like a thief in the night. Nobody knows when. Nobody knows when at all. And mm -hmm. so if he were to come, let's say, in the next hour, would we, <laughs> you know, would we be ready? Would we yeah. fit in? And so it's just like, are we, are we asking the question of would we fit in with no change whatsoever, like no uh, mm -hmm. elimination of... Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the negative things that, that we have gone through uh, throughout the earth, throughout our time on earth, or is it going to be with that transformation? You know, so if it's going to be with that transformation, then those who were close to Jesus, they will fit in. Those who are not close to Jesus, they will not. So when you're saying transformation, and I mean, I think you said it too, um, are you talking in terms of character or are you talking in terms of like physical? character okay because I'm assuming from this question what it's saying is if you were you know suddenly in heaven it's not like if you were suddenly in heaven after your character had been changed would you fit in right so for me that question means more is your character right now heaven modeled I guess and would would it fit in and then that's when I get a little worried and I'm like oh man <laughs> like, 
that's deep. Like, you know, yeah. you need to start, you need to be living, you need to be ready because he will come as a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. And you might not have time to just, like when you're taking a test and you know, it's tomorrow and you're like trying to like cram and like change really fast, or not change, but acquire all that knowledge really fast. You can't do that. You can't change your character overnight. It's something that's a gradual process and, and you need, you know, God's help to do it and change. And so for me, that question was, was a little bit like, yeah. I got to get on that. <laughs> like, you need to be thinking about it every day. See, and I, I agree with you because I feel like they're going for, you know, not just are, not are we perfect right now. Mm -hmm. Are we, are we at the point where our, our lives are modeled and is our character kind of re reflecting the relationship that we have with Christ? Exactly. Okay. That's what I pictured. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was thinking like Milan, like I picture, you know, heaven of perfect people and everybody's perfectly happy and nothing goes wrong and, you know, everything's just this pristine, perfect world. And I think, you know, that's not my life right now. <laughs> I don't fit in. And I, I, I agree with Milan. I have trouble with this question because I think I don't know that, that that's what I would want to be focused on because right now I don't fit in, but at the same time, I feel like what they're going at is exactly what our PGK said. Um, <laughs> exactly that, that it's like, is our character modeled after and modeling, you know, like, is it, is it to the point where we've got that relationship? That's what I'm picturing. But at the same time, I would even wonder, you know, like, like there are gonna be people there that we didn't expect. Mm, right. So it makes me think, you know, Maybe we shouldn't be, be working revealed. towards perfection, but thinking, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because that would be, it would, I guess you wouldn't really be in heaven. I'm not sure. But, you know, yeah, if you get up there. That's where you, you get into, like, that right, deeper idea. Right, because if you do get there and you see people you weren't expecting and you're in your feelings about it, like, wait, hold yeah, up. Really <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of, yeah. This see, is really why, deep. This is really Are you deep. really in, like, there? I mean, yeah, like, it's really I, I feel like I know what you're saying. Like, I can yeah. read your mind. I can't just put it into words. Like, you shouldn't be thinking those kinds right. of things if you're in heaven. Right. You know, shouldn't, oh, wow, that person ended up be here. Like, oh, I'm great. Leaving. No. Praise <laughs> the Lord. It's not like, wait a minute. Yeah. See, I think that's what it's going to be, though. And and we're getting into heaven and all this stuff. But I think that's what it's going to be, where it's going to be like, you made it too? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Oh, That's what I think it'll be. I don't think we'll be like, wow, man, I didn't think that. Yeah, like have a group like, in the corner like, let's figure this out. Like, <laughs> what happened? What happened after, you know, after college or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But since we are talking, you know, kind of talking about heaven, um, before that happens, you know, Christ talks about the church as a whole, not just the individual ones, as like his bride. He's coming down to get his bride. Um, so one point that comes to mind, you know, in society now, like d divorce is just so ubiquitous. You know, everyone is just, it, d it doesn't seem like marriages um, last. Yeah, they don't last. And it's kind of like a joke almost. Mm -hmm. um, so in this society where, you know, we have a hard time, especially like our generation, really grasping marriage. Like, how do you think, is this like a message that you think really resonates with people our age? Like, what do you guys think about, um, like the whole concept? Like, what does it mean to you? And do you think like we could, is this a message that is still relevant today? 
So I think that that topic where you're saying our generation has a hard time grasping marriage, um, I don't know if you mean that in terms of like because of the example that we see in the right. secular world, I guess. Mm -hmm. would. Um, I don't think it's just the secular world, though. Okay. That's true. But I'm sorry. I'm just, going. I'm thinking about it more in terms of like, yes, I, as being a, a, a person of my generation that is still in the church, I'm not going to so easily be swayed by what I'm seeing in that like topic. I mean, in terms of divorce, just because, you know, somebody in Hollywood decided to take it lightly and, you know, do it on a dare or so, any, any type of thing that kind of, um, makes marriage seem a little bit less than what it actually was originally designed designed to be. I'm not going to think anything less of it just because I see that's what I see like that's what's the norm or that's what's popular. Like I I was still brought up to think of marriage in the traditional sense like the good and still have faith in the concept and in the idea that the whole marriage was made to last whereas people nowadays don't really See, take it that way <laughs> I think that's I think that's awesome that that's the way that you see it and I, I fully <laughs> I fully support you and agree it I agree with it but I mean it when you asked that I <laughs> I almost laughed because it made me think of a show that I watched where they they set people up on blind dates and in one episode the two people got married okay. and I remember <laughs> seeing one of them say like I didn't think that this date would end with me getting married oh, but I'm married and she and then the wife or the woman said, you know, like, if it doesn't work out, I get half his stuff. So wow. Oh, wow. So I, I feel like <laughs> there are a lot of people that don't have that mindset. Correct, yeah. And, and the good thing is that the Bible isn't just for the people that have it right and that have it figured out. Like, mm -hmm. the Bible needs to go to the people, you know, the people that really need it are the ones that don't have it, that didn't grow up with it, that don't, don't have the direction that God and the Bible wants to give. And so I feel like, you know, if society can't, kind of like what you're going with, if society can't, you know, stick to one thing and, and, and stick to their commitments, then I feel like it would be harder to stick to the commitments or even trust God because the example that they have is, you know, some person that gets married on a whim. Yeah, and I, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's, interest, it's important to note that a lot of the things that that we may see as uh, traditional or uh, that is normal or good for, for, for the church, it's not always going to comply with society. I mean, because Jesus himself, as he lived, he was not a person to be with. He was uh, a target, basically, at all times. And so I feel like the, the, the beliefs that we try to reflect from Jesus they're not always going to just fit in with society. So right. the topic of marriage, you know, it, it might, you know, get to some people a little bit differently than, I feel like you know. that is a can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a whole topic for like a whole nother Yeah, episode. yeah, a whole nother episode, a whole nother lesson. <laughs> but I would say, you know, and what's shown in the letters to the churches and all that stuff, it may not fit with society and, and, and it may not be compatible as much, mm -hmm. but the reward that we have mm -hmm. is great. And you see this in each of the letters to the churches. Christ, he explains a reward that is amazing, mm -hmm. more than I would even think to ask for. Awesome. Well, any like final, final words really quickly? <laughs> I'm glad I, I ran into this lesson. It gave me a chance to brush up on my, my knowledge <laughs> of the churches and my dad too. <laughs> and I think uh, 
the, the, the military reminder, I think, was probably the, the best part. Right. <laughs> David sold me on the title. Right. <laughs> well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you for participating, and uh, we hope you were blessed.